interesting. It wasn't the best. You, they, they drag those out. Yeah, they, they're usually like three episodes too long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this was only four, but it could have been two. Okay. So in, anyway, welcome, Drew. Welcome Thank back. Thank you. Second time. Um, and uh, so, okay, we, we have the April 22, 22 announcements. Um, Wait, are these May announcements or April announcements? Oh, May. May. Did I say April? You said April. It's all, But it's on the outline. Yeah, I wrote April, too. So it's May. All right, so May. May. May out. <laughs> we could talk about April again, if you want, Jill. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll just dive dive in. So uh, my my thinking is, sorry, I'm, my thinking with the flash sales is probably going to be in March. Um, so uh, I, I don't know what the deal is with that. But yeah, let's talk uh, May announcements. And um, so first off, I've only seen two of this month, which is um, is low for me. Uh, what about the, the two of you? Have you seen many? I'm sure you've seen one. Just one. You I've, know which one. I've only seen the one that uh, Jill has probably seen, which is Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I've seen one more than you. Um, and I've definitely seen that one. And I guess we'll start with the one I have seen. Um, and I think you'll have plenty to add because you know this director. So the first film on May 10th is Mr. Klein from uh, from Joseph Losey, who was, as many people know, was, um, I forget if he was blacklisted or if he was just kicked out, uh, but he wisely went to uh, Europe and made films and made some good ones and stayed, stayed there, actually. And this one was in the 70s, I believe. Uh, this one I've seen, but it's been a few, been a few minutes, um, a few, probably about five, ten years. And um, it's, but I remember it being excellent. And I'm, I'm a, I haven't seen a lot of Losey, but I'm a big fan. So, uh, yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he's good. I'm pretty. Have you seen pumped. much of him, uh, Drew? I have not, and I feel kind of embarrassed to say that, considering he's from Wisconsin and you know my roots, <laughs> and I, I've kind of neglected his work. A couple of years ago, I bought that. Uh, eve uh indicator set with like both cuts where they had restored it and i still haven't watched it because i keep trying to like pick the best one which is i think the servant is everyone's favorite which i think is coming to criterion channel next month so i'm pretty pumped to try to make him a a project this year and uh do a little deep of a dive on his work so i'm really excited they're putting out mr klein yeah, they, there's at least one more on Indicator. I, for, I forget which one. Time Without oh, it's Pity, right? Time Without Pity, Time which without is pity. fantastic. Yeah. I love that one. I didn't get Eve. I'll have to look into that. Uh, I don't know if it's out of print. But um, but yeah, great filmmaker, and, um, and I highly recommend this film. It's kind of a, if I remember, it's kind of a dark thriller of sorts, uh, of course, it has Alain Dion. Dion, I don't know how you say it. Don't Dion. ask me. I'm such a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's a great leading man, and I remember him standing out in this, which, of course, you know. And this was mid-'70s, so this was after he did Airport. <laughs> so he was uh, <laughs> not man. few removed from Le Samurai. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Those star-studded disaster movies are just like, ah. Oh, I love them. They're, they're so good. They're so, um, so good. Uh, They've got more stars than a Love Boat episode. You know, like, <laughs> so great. <laughs> it's Love Plane. Um, yeah, and, and the thing is, each one gets more crazy and, and worse as they go, but but also better in the same sense. Right. Just 
What's the one with anyway. the killer bees? I saw that one on TCM a couple years ago. Is it killer bees? Oh, I, I, I can't pass. Uh, and it's got well, the kids and Olivia de Havilland in it. Oh, oh, oh. Um, was that the third one? Or was the second? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. But then there's the one with the killer ants. The swarm. The swarm. The swarm. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so anyway, we so this is we knew this was coming. A, a lot of these these um, releases this month, I think, were surpri- not surprises except for the big one. I think that was somewhat of a surprise. Yeah. And in fact, I think they were probably except for the next one, they were probably all in the poll. So um, that was um in the in the Facebook group. Um, which had been historically pretty poor fairing uh, the last few months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, Mr. Klein is going to be a, a, gr- a great release. Uh, it has a documentary about uh, the real life, um, uh, the real life Valdiv roundup. So I, I don't remember what that is, but uh, that's uh, they call it a central historic element of Mr. Klein. And um, what I'm most excited about is an essay by film scholar uh, Jeanette Vincento. Um, she's done a lot of scholarship on Melville, and of course, Deon Delon um, has uh, has worked with Melville quite a bit. So I'm really interested in what she says about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did the commentary for double uh, for um, Delon Tennessee for um, Army of Shadows, and uh, okay. she has a really really good book on, on Melville. So that's um, a great book. That BFI one. Oh, you've read it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I did a yeah. class in grad school. It was all French uh, crime movies. So yeah, we read that whole. She, nice. That, that's a great book. Nice. And she did the commentary, I believe, on Army of Shadows as well, and it was a fa- fascinating because he was, you know, in the war and everything. She very insightful. Um, I've, now, I've heard bad commentaries. Now this is currently on the channel, um, Mr. Klein. So yes. Oh wow! Because um, I'm looking there at their site, and it says "Watch Now" on Criterion Channel. So okay. Yeah. I wonder if it's like yeah. the new restoration. Sometimes I feel like they put the old transfer up and then update it all. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, I'll Thank still you. Wait. Yeah. And by the way, since we talked about the conversation last time, I, I could, my memory could be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure this was a Rialto um, deal. I, I could be confusing it with Panique, but, um, but so that, that, yeah, they do end up coming here. So we've been expecting this for a while. And then um, on the 17th, we have Juzo Itami who um, made a film that made me addicted to ramen noodles. <laughs> Tampopo. <laughs> um, but I've, I've seen nothing else from him. I, he has a few on the channel that I haven't watched, but I've heard great things. I, I just I have so many discs to watch. So I know you haven't seen this, but have you uh, seen any other works from Itami? No, no. Besides, okay. Have you seen Tampopo, Jill? I haven't. I need to. It's been on my list forever. It's a good one. Do you like ramen? I love ramen. It's basically a love letter to ramen. All right. And I'm there. I think on Tampopo, isn't there like an interview or an essay by like a ramen scholar? And like when I saw that, I was like, I'd like to change my area of specialty. I would like to become a ramen scholar. <laughs> would you like a doctorate in ramen? Yeah. <laughs> PhD? Um, yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah. There, well, with food, food, you watch TV. It's all over the place. I, I guess there could be cuisine experts but yeah, um, i am I, I am a i'm a connoisseur of ramen you know get that top ramen that's just mm-hmm. good oh i make it at home it's, I'm it's kidding. fantastic i'm kidding I'm i kidding. saw pumpkin spice ramen this week that, at Walmart, you, that is not good horrified. no <laughs> that is not good but you know some some bitch with blonde hair and 
you know, knee high riding boots is going to be blogging about that this fall. <laughs> well, this one is, is def- definitely not. I don't think this is a ramen film. Although the cover, and by the way, the covers rock this month. Oh, they're fantastic. A dining situation of some sort. Uh, looks like. Uh, awake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and, I mean, it doesn't and that look cat's like about to swipe some swipe a tuna roll. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I immediately go to food. So it looks like some sushi in there, um, and a lot yeah. of sake. Ooh, a lot of sake. A, hope it's unfiltered. That's my favorite. <laughs> I've never had sake. You know? I, <gasps> oh I should, my god! Should try it. We always do Japanese for lunch, so can't do sake. Yeah, yeah. Lunchtime. But yeah, it's, the description says it's a fearless satire of the clash between old and new in Japanese society in which nothing, not even the finality of death, is off limits. So it looks like this is going to be a little darker than Tampopo, but I maybe there'll be some sense of humor. I don't know. We'll see. All uh, right. Good many uh, features. Uh, the cover was done by Tatsuro Kyuchi. So yeah, nice cover. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and there's a, a Creative Marriages, uh, the director, and I'm guessing this is one of the actors, uh, Nobuku Miyamoto, so a short program pr- produced by the Criterion Channel, so Very it's cool. pro- probably with that collection. Um, and then Juzo Ch- Ch- Atami's commercial for, or commercials for Ichiroku Tart. Is that alcohol? Hmm. Let me look. It sounds alcoholic. Um, it does sound alcoholic. No, no, oh, it's, a, it's a dessert. It is a, it's, a, it's a sponge cake with red bean paste fill, filling in Ooh. a and yuzu, so the citron, Japanese citron. Nice. I just oh, that saw looks an image. Really it looks delicious. Really good. So it's like a um, little spongy jelly roll kind of thing. Hundred percent chance after watching these commercials, I'm going to try to buy that. <laughs> oh man, that looks great. Looks tasty, and we have um, "Esso" by Pico Iyer, uh, and then excerpts from Atami's book "Diary of the Funeral." Okay, cool. So it's about this this film, and okay, cool. um, a re- and remembrance by uh, actor Su- Sudomo Yamazaki. You did good on that. Thank you. So, Drew, what do you think? Um, I will probably wait to see if that one's on the channel. I'm just, I'm running out of shelf space, man. Like I think it's not, on the channel. It says choices. it's on the channel right now. So. Yeah. It's on the channel right now. Yeah, I, I would, you could probably yeah I'd read. love to check it out. I'd love Tampopo, but yeah, it's just running, running low. <laughs> My guess is you could probably get the essays online when it is announced. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not the, probably not the book but excerpt, but you never know. All right, moving on. And actually, I have seen this one, but it's been so long that I basically have forgotten. I saw it when it came out. So when it, uh, so the next one is uh, Miranair's Mississippi Masala. Uh, worst kept secret. I mean, she was tweeting about it like for the last three, four months. <laughs> Glad to see it here. Also love the cover. Um, so yeah, I saw it's great. it in 90, 91. So I, I remember, uh, no member berries for that. Um, and I take it you haven't seen it, but have you seen any other Miranair? No, no. But this is one I've wanted to see so bad. So I'm really excited about this one. Yeah. So 1991, that was the year of Pulp Fiction. And that's, so I I grew up a lot. uh, I was was like 20 something, not quite 20. Oh, Salam Bombay Bombay was her. I forgot about that. That was really good. I would recommend that one. And she's done Monson Wedding, of course. She's already in the collection. And that's good as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so yeah, uh, Drew, you interested in this one? Um, I am mainly because I'll probably end up getting it for my wife. Uh, she's a big Munson wedding fan, and I, I'm pretty sure she's seen this one. Uh, I I confess I have not seen either. She's been wanting to watch them with me, so they're all nice. constantly on our list of things to watch when we're together. So I have to do a double bill of these. Yeah, and it looks like it's pretty serious. I, I sounds like it. Um, let's see, tackling thorny, thorny issues of racism, colorism, culture clash. Displace, displacement uh, with big-hearted humor and keen insight. So um, says Nier served up a sweet, sexy, and deeply satisfying celebration of love's power. So it sounds like it's a serious theme, but maybe a lighter touch. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can't wait to revisit this film <laughs> and uh, see what my, my older self thinks about it. Uh, let's see. New conversation between actor Sarita Chowdhury and film critic Devika Girish. Uh, new commentary. I I love that they're doing commentaries here. And yeah. This is with Miranere and um, some more interviews with various uh, people that worked on the film. And um, essay is uh, Bilal Qureshi. The, these last two titles are challenging my pronunciation. You're doing great. <laughs> Thanks. Vote <laughs> of confidence. So yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to go right in the player. This is this one especially. Um, you going to get it, Jill? Yeah, I'm going to grab it. And yeah, I love the cover. It looks like it's a amalgam of um, probably different Im- images from the film, but very, very almost like a scrapbook kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, really works for me. And then we have on uh, May thirty first, we have a, uh, we have another big one on May thirty first. This one is Wayne Wang, his first time in, collect- in the collection, and this is another one we've known has been coming for a while, just uh, didn't know when. And it's uh, Chan is Missing. Um, it's an early work of his, 1982. It, it might even be his first feature. I, yeah, I believe it is his first feature. And I've heard great things, but haven't seen it. So I, I don't know if you've heard the same. I, this is the first time I've heard of it, and it looks really great. Yeah, the description True. on this one really makes me want to pick it up. It's yeah. funny because uh, I Wayne Wang's... Center of the World was one of the first films I got sent a screener of when I was reviewing DVDs back in like the early 2000s. And I don't know if either of you have seen that one, but let me tell you, for Mm -hmm. a 17, 16-year-old kid, that one will make an impression. Um, (laughs) It is fairly explicit. Uh, But yeah, so when I read the description on this one, I was like, wow, you know, I'm I'm loving this uh, evocation of Chinatown and kind of a film noir type deal. Sign me up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Uh, what's funny is I just recently watched Chinese Box, which was, I want to say, 97 or 98, which is no way a reflection of Wang's work. Um, and so I, I kind of looked into him before this was announced, and um, and he ended up doing, like, he did Made in Manhattan. So he ended up doing just, like, regular Hollywood studio films. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like there's this one's deeply personal, and I, I think there's a little bit of his personal life in Chinese Box, but it was... From a, a, you know, it's Jeremy Irons was the lead character, so from that perspective, but um, mm-hmm. at least you have an Asian American gaze um, directing the film, so that was pretty good. It had Gong Li as well, who I'll, I'll talk about soon. But yeah, I haven't seen this, and it has a making of documentary. Uh, I always love those. It's called Is Chan Still Missing? So who knows? We'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then a conversation with uh, Wayne Wang, uh, critic Hua Hsu. And we all know and love Ang Lee. They're, they're together. Um, mm-hmm. Another great example of a uh, Asian. I can't remember if Ang Lee was born in America or or China, but he's an Asian 
making films in Hollywood successfully. And then uh, film programmer Dennis Lim is, uh, has a conversation with Wayne Wang. And the, um, the critic is Oliver Wang. I'm guessing that's no relation, but you never know. Um, and the, the, the cover, yeah, it also kind of a scrapbook. Uh, yeah, San Francisco, some Polaroid photos. I, I like it. It's, um, yeah, it's Sister Hyde did the cover for this. She is so great um, and has done several um, uh, covers oh, yeah. for, for uh, Criterion. So I was That's really right. happy to see to see this. And she shares a credit with Drusilla Adeline. That's um, her. So I, oh, that okay. Yeah, so that's her. That's like yeah. her. Sister Hyde is her pseudonym. Yes. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. I like the font. I like the scrapbook, and um, and I'm guessing the the image there, the the person is Chan, and so um, it kind of visually evokes that he is surely missing. Yeah. <laughs> um, is this going right in the player, Jill, or are you interested? Um, I may pick this one up, but it looks like it's on the channel, so I might. I'm, you know, like Drew, I'm, I am too running out of space that, and I think I've spoke about this before on the show, but like, I'm still in the process of putting, uh, some discs in sleeves right now, which is, mm-hmm. um, not been easy. And I'm at the point where now I have to start hand picking out some boutique labels to go into sleeves Ooh. and I'm trying, uh, yeah. And so I'm trying to like. You know, my cri- you know, the ones that have beautiful packaging, my criterions that they all stay, you know, as as is, but and box sets and things. But like I've mm-hmm. had to be very ruthless about that. Um, and so I think I've put 250 in sleeves. Um, and yeah, it's not been a pretty process, but wow. I will I will probably check this one out on the channel and then and then go from there. So. Well, you know, Jill, a few weeks ago, we were talking about prestigious labels, and um, I, I'm guessing if you have any Mill Creek, they're going right in the sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They get they get a top spot. Um, I have a I have a spotlight that I put on those. We're going to put don't... 65 movies on one disc. It's going to have the bit rate of a... <laughs> what was that like that weird <laughs> camera system where you'd shoot on like audio tapes like yeah. the bit rate of that technology yeah all my mill creek vhs vhsc uh or um what are those ones the little tiny uh tapes you have to put in the adapter from the camcorders it's like all that you know <laughs> Um, I, so <laughs> I think I, I think I own something decent from Mill Creek. Um, oh, I, I, they did the Ultramans. Um, so you I, know I what? They're probably like the most loyal listeners of this podcast, and they're like <laughs> si- they're going to be like crying silent tears when they hear no this. shade, no shade. But we love you, it, Mill Creek. Weren't they the ones that really. were putting out those um, those Blu-rays that had like VHS looking cases, or is yeah. that another? No. Well, okay. I, um, that might have been them. I okay, thought that I was the Vestron set or whatever. I oh, can't okay. remember. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, Drew's right. They're like, it's like, it'll be like the best of the 80s. And it's like right, right. every, uh, you know, whatever. 74 movies on one disc, yeah. But I, I, I all is forgiven uh, because of Ultraman and especially Ultra Q. So we, we talked about that with <laughs> a long time ago. It is so crazy. So anyway, this is one I know is going to go on a shelf. Um, this was the surprise, and um, you know I kind of had a feeling this this movie would end up on Criterion someday. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Billy Wilder's noir masterpiece, 
uh, double indemnity. Um, oh, well, I, maybe shit. I, maybe I shouldn't say masterpiece. It is to me, but I don't know about the, the two of you. I'm guessing yes from you, Jill. Oh, it's, oh, absolutely. It's not my favorite of his, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's like top, it's top five, maybe top three. So, um, yeah, love it. Yeah, um, I think, um, yeah, it doesn't touch Sunset Boulevard for me, but it's, um, but because when it came out, and yeah, it had very influential, so pr- pretty big deal, um, and it's 4K too, which is yeah, um, that's yeah. what. See, I have like the old, um, you know, th- those Universal. They were like special edition DVDs. There's one. There was one for Vertigo. There was one for um, Double Indemnity, oh, and, and it like was like the book package, kind of in the... a book package. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, right. So and like, that's not what quite I still book, but like right book. Yeah, and it like a cardboard book, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I and I still have it, and uh, just because you know, uh, I never saw one uh on Blu-ray that I felt compelled to buy, you know, just kind of holding out for a a better edition because the one I had, you know, had was kind of stacked on special features and stuff, um, and so this is like super exciting. Um, because I have seen a really good print of this. Um, mm. I don't know if it will be, they may have done another restoration, but I, I'm pretty sure I've seen a 4k print of this at the TCM well, fest a few years back. It says new 4k. Um, so, so you, this, never, you okay. never know if it's, they don't put a date on it. So it right. Could be, so this know, may, newest since the yeah, last one, this may be oh. different, but I have seen, I've seen it, tw- I've seen two separate restorations and mm. this movie has been, redone so many times that i wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it is a brand new um i'm very excited about this i imagine for this title uh they they went pretty big and i think it's gonna sell you know i know scan digital scans are not cheap but um i think it'll it'll more than make up the money Uh, but it's it is stacked as you mentioned and uh there's one one supplement that I'll, i'll just mention it New conversation between film historians Eddie Muller and Imogen Sarah Smith. Yeah, that right there is going to be fantastic. Yes, Imogen did not spoil the secret. I don't know if she <laughs> if she knew about this. I mean, she wouldn't have anyway. Um, she, but um, but yeah, I, I I can't wait. And um, and also there's a I think it's new. It doesn't say the date, but audio commentary from Richard Schickel. So I'm always glad to have commentaries. Um, I think interview he- with. I think, uh, I'm not going to say it yet. Hang I think on. that's Keep an talking. old one, I think. I think he's one. dead. It... Okay, well then that's I'm looking, because I don't want to say he's dead and he's not dead. No, he's dead. I mean, he died in 2017. So, yeah, that's it's definitely old. I mean, I, I did watch, um, well, never mind. That was a, maybe a spoiler about somebody coming back to life. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and probably would have been in poor taste, too. So I'll keep that one to myself. All righty. Uh, there's a new interview with uh, Noah Eisenberg. He's um, great. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's great. And that Billy Wilder on assignment um, collection is absolutely fantastic. So everyone needs to get that book. Okay, so I I did, I I think I've shared, I did, I studied uh, Wilder in in college a Mm -hmm. little bit. And I didn't have this book. Um, Is it a recent one? or It's it's newish. I think it came out last year. It is terrific. So, you know, 
if you're really I mean it's it's gonna be for diehard fans okay sure. but I mean like who's not a fan of Billy Wilder like if you're not get out of my life so um <laughs> this no this is really good Noah's a he's a good dude and um we've talked quite a bit I mean I'd love to have him on sometime too um but he uh, I love his work and this was such a great um great uh, collection of stuff that he that he put together um and i think i want to say it came out like last spring nice uh, well you know we were talking about doing some wilder so maybe um ask noah uh, if he wants to cover the bracket and then we um we already have some and we bring in our other person diamond. for the diamond yeah mm, okay <laughs> things are happening <laughs> <laughs> we're wheeling and dealing in real time people it might it might not happen <laughs> but it's fun to think about um and then another um Billy, How Did You Do It? A 1992 film by uh, Volker Schlondorf, who is, I'm a big fan of him, didn't know he made a film about Billy Wilder, Ooh. and featuring interviews with, um, oh, it's a film by him and uh, Gisela Grishkow, mm-hmm. and it has interviews with uh, Billy Wilder. Okay, that makes Ooh. sense. Which, so, any he, interview with Billy Wilder, he's just so cute, and, <laughs> you know, I just, I love watching him talk. That's is so it good. Ace yeah. in a Hole where somebody goes to his like Malibu uh, condo in like the seventies and he's just got all the modern art hanging out? Is that is that the I, right I think disc? that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. I watched I that. And I, I was remember, like, this yeah. is such a fantastic little piece. Yeah, I he, love it. yeah, he's just such a cute little thing. I just love him. Oh, little Billy. Um, yeah, we, we uh, Ace in the Hole was uh, in my noir class. Um, I, I know it's kind of borderline noir, but um, I think it it works. It's too. noir. I think it's, it's actually. Darker than any Sunset Boulevard or Double Indemnity. Yeah. Like I, I love yeah. it for that reason. Like it's just, yeah. Completely oh, it's scathing. it's completely, yeah. It's completely just depraved, and uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's probably his darkest uh, film. Yeah, and and this one is not too exactly light. <laughs> so. No, it is not. And it's about insurance. How can you make insurance insurance so exciting? Yeah. I mean, even the title is an insurance term. But you have uh, Stanwyck. You know, I, she's a legend. This is probably among my favorite performances. Not my favorite. I have to think on that. You have Stanwyck's um, wig. I mean, yes, the anklet. Baby. The anklet. Great. Yep. <laughs> yes, yes, the anklet as well. And then you have uh, Fred McMurray, who I don't know why he went on to three mo- uh, my three sons, but um, yeah. He, <laughs> Well, He's what's good funny too. about McMurray, and of course, that a lot Eddie of, G. yeah, and and well, Eddie G is fantastic in this, but like mm-hmm. the thing about Fred McMurray that so people will go, well, he I can't believe he was in Double Indemnity, and then you know he plays this absolute ruthless cat in the apartment, and then he goes on to do My Three right, Sons. Right. But <laughs> what what's crazy is McMurray, he was like he was making like these yuck yuck comedies with Claudette Colbert. Um, in the thirty, late thirties and early forties, and he was doing like kind of lighthearted, musically comedy, romantic films. So he was doing that fluffy stuff beforehand. So imagine finding out that he's going to be in this movie with Barbara Stanwyck, <laughs> and you've seen him in all these like fluffy right. rom coms with Claudette Colbert, and you show up and he's like, you know, chain smoking and you know, killing people, you know, like that's, you know, that would be a shock. And then for people to be, and then later on the shock that he's, you know, the absent-minded professor or the shaggy dog or whatever, like mm-hmm. he had, had a lot of whiplash in his career, you know? So 
that, what's weird is, is the studio system tried to put people in their in their. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they wanted typecast because they wanted to just, you know. Oh yeah, formulaic get, that they can I mean, crank out as much as they can. Absolutely, of course, Bogey is a great example. You want a, cr- a criminal? All right, let's get Bogey, and then right, they, and then right. Casablanca happened, or Maltese Falcon happened. Right. Yeah, and 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 like Dick Powell, you know, who to think he he would be a good in noir, but <laughs> <laughs> I love Dick Powell. But yeah, McMurray, um, and and I was being pithy. I, I, he's been in some some big films. You mentioned the apartment. Um, I think wasn't he in the Cane Mutiny as well? As well? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's, and he's, he's a, a total piece of shit in that. So <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> and he was, and he and Stanwyck did uh, three films together. They did this. Remember the night. And um, there's always I'm tomorrow. Told, the Doug Sirk movie. There, that's such a great yes, movie. Yes, oh, that's oh, right. right. Right, and yeah. so they they just had great chemistry with each other. So, and those are so like sweet films, and mm-hmm. <laughs> to see them here like about to kill each other. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, yeah, is it's just it's so great. Well, this is a big disc, so you it's three discs, which of course the it'll be the 4K, and that'll probably have the commentary on it, and then there'll probably be a Blu-ray with some supplements, and then another Blu-ray that's only supplements. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is probably an early candidate, at least for um, for uh, a merit for Hollywood films for film of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they made four movies together, by the way. There was the Moonlighter wow. in 1953, mm. but their first one was Remember the Night, which is such a sweet movie, and then they go into Double Indemnity. Wow. So that's just like totally different. I haven't seen that. And of course, the way the film industry changed, you know, in the 50s and 60s, every, a lot of people went on the TV. That's just the way it worked. So, right, right. I'm glad that he had a, a regular gig. Um, but he, yeah, yeah people, <laughs> people sleep on Fred McMurray. He was a good actor. He was great. And of, and of course, Edward, Eddie G. I, I remember because uh, this this film we, we looked at in film class, and I remember there was a conflict about. The, the billing, which is very uh, mm-hmm. frequent in Hollywood, even today, I think. But um, I think Eddie G wanted to be on top, uh, even though yeah. he was a sp- technically supporting character. But um, but yeah, he he rocked it in this film. So oh, absolutely. I've pro- probably seen it five to ten times, and um, I'm probably going to watch it at least twice because I'll watch the commentary. Um, so Drew, is this any good? Oh God, yeah. Like it's it's my favorite. Whenever I teach film noir, I always use this one and. Blow their minds when I start to talk about how homoerotic it is and how it's more of a oh, love yeah. story between mm-hmm. Keys and Neff, and they're like, "What?" And then you know, you play him the scene where he's like, "I got my own set of keys," and you know, <laughs> they start to see the, like the, the little adolescent, well, not adolescent, but twenty-something brains start to like blow up, and they're like, "Wow, they put all that crazy shit in that movie, and I didn't even see it." That and Gilda, yeah. Um, oh so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love yeah, using good. those two for kind of talking about how they brought in rather taboo issues of sexuality and you know just had to code mm-hmm. them right you know didn't have a tram yeah. stamp so we're going to use a anklet you know <laughs> and an a blonde anklet, wing that's right <laughs> yeah that's that, the 1944 I mean, uh, tramp stamp yeah. yeah exactly and you know and like it, the the character named nino zacchetti i mean come on that is like the <laughs> best name ever is the badass boyfriend nino zacchetti um yeah this I, yeah, I love all those uh, uh, undertones in that in that uh, movie. So I would love to sit in your class, Drew, and then watch all oh, those you kids. Could, you can like, actually, what? I can do you one better. <laughs> A couple years ago, I was commissioned by, I think it was the University of Australia or South Australia, and I had to do a video essay on one movie where I introduced a film term so they could assign it in class and basically teach students how to do videographic work. 
So I did it uh-huh. on Double Indemnity, and I did it on Shadows. So I can I can share it with you afterwards. So I'm like, Criterion, give me a call. Shadows? He's going to put this on the disc. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, there was also – I'll put this link in the show notes, but there's a really neat um, – uh, post from Greg Roos did the art, and we didn't mention the oh, art. Oh yeah, looks amazing. It's so good. But he, I, I, I think the inside is going to look really amazing as well. Okay. You know, don't ju- don't judge it by the cover, okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but some sketches, and I'll, 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 yeah, it's well worth reading this uh, this article from Greg Ruth. Uh, he's he's quite an artist. Um, I'm glad he got yeah, this. Yeah, this cover is so good. I love how the smoke. Yeah. Is is intertwined with the with the title i love where mm-hmm. uh fred mcmurray is placed like yeah it's mm-hmm. good that's good stuff right there and it's not easy to pull off a, a cover this good with just stills from the, the film um, right so i think he did a fantastic job there's at least two maybe three uh it looks like two and you also have the smoke uh, it's right by the wacky sea so it's a, yeah. it's a smoky room love it it's a smoky movie um, yeah, so that's that's uh, May 2022. I'm pretty happy, even though, I mean, really, it's front loaded and back loaded for me. But um, but really want to see the middle, especially Mississippi Masala. So, mm-hmm. what do you what do you all think? It's a great month. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be an expensive uh, spring. <laughs> <laughs> and again, yeah. to go back to Jill's quandary, I'm like, I don't even want to think about having to make these decisions yet. Like I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like binders do i send some to my office like what do i oh god like it's like i feel like you know have to make yeah, really, it's... really horrible choices that i don't even want to think about yet but yeah yeah Shit. sophie's choices with your discs yeah yeah and speak speaking of which um it looks like they're phasing out dvd so um like i didn't talk about this on each title but yeah. um i believe there's only two dvds um coming oh, out which I is very interesting look. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if I, which I mean, two, I'd have to go back. You for know it, where but, I, uh, you know what I feel about this, and just in terms of like, I I think solely about libraries, and I think about some, you know, classrooms that may not have Blu-ray, which mm-hmm. seems crazy because Blu-ray players are cheap. But I mean, I know that. I know that people, there's plenty of educators that that's what they have. I literally and, had to stream Crumb from my house today for my comic book class yeah. because I didn't have a Blu-ray player in my classroom. Yeah. So I just, it it bothers me. You know, I, I really do hope that if they are phasing them out for the public, I hope that they still are able to make, that available to learning institutions and libraries it's it's i don't know i i'm i'm conflicted on that i get it it's probably not sustainable for them anymore Mm -hmm. but um yeah that's not great i would think a lot of uh, a lot of academic uh, schools um universities would have streaming I, i i know ours does so um so if they put them on the channel i think what they're what they've been doing is deprioritizing DVD for titles that already have a DVD, which probably, makes sense. you know, yeah, you can probably get it somewhere. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see where, where this goes, but I kind of think of like Steve jobs, you know, he took away the headphone jack and yeah. everybody was complaining, but now everybody, everybody has Bluetooth. Headphones, sure. So. But you know, I'm, you know, I live in Atlanta and we are, you know, definitely a metropolitan area and our library, they don't, the criterions they have, they're all DVD. 
period. And because they're funding, you know, they've got to make that dollar stretch. And they also have to take into account, well, you know, you know, you can play a DVD in a Blu-ray player and in a DVD player. So they've got to reach. Exactly. And so I don't know what this will do for them. Um, So that's, that's what I think about. I'm going, well, you know, this is in, in a big (laughs) County in a big, in a big city. This is what they have. So I can't imagine, you know, what that's going to do for smaller libraries. So, and we've got some people in the group too, that are like, you know, librarians are working mm-hmm, education and they've echoed the same concerns. So I, maybe you're right on that, that they're, you know, um, not doing it for titles that already exist on DVD. Um, well, we'll see, you know? Yeah. It, that's one thing that was nice about the, the uh, dual format is that my library yeah. got the blue and the uh, DVD. So if I wanted yeah. to, of course, I have them all now. So it really I doesn't loved matter. I dual but. format for that very, and I know Drew was a big fan of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I get it that, you know, people didn't want to have to pay for something they weren't going to use. But I mean, it's not really much different than them going 4K and offering Blu ray yeah. with it, yeah, you know? I think. And I think the DVD people didn't want to pay more for what, you know, they're, and that, they're using. And I understand that. Yeah, yeah totally. I totally understand that, you know, but, and I, but I get, I get they're a business and they have to go with what the majority uh, mm-hmm. wants. And so, you know, there's always, you know, growing pains with any, you know, anytime a format is removed. But I'm curious because I feel like last year when we were discussing this, like DVD sales were more than uh, Blu-ray. They, and, they have um, been traditionally, yeah. Yeah, and I so I'm actually, are, yeah. but, like, you know, but I imagine with Criterion, that's mm-hmm. not the case, uh, since it's a niche label, and most of the people that have that have, like, you know, the latest uh, equipment at home, but probably across the board, generally speaking, I wouldn't be surprised if DVD has a higher, uh, sells yeah. more. I saw some numbers recently, and I think it was still over fifty percent DVD. Um, mm-hmm. But you're you're right. Criterion has their own numbers, and I'm sure they're right. making decisions based on their sales. Exactly. And, and people like you know, I, I've seen some DVD collectors in posting stuff in Facebook groups, but the plurality is um, yeah, is Blu-ray or 4K. Sure. And people have been screaming for 4K. So sure. Um, and and I'll, I you know I've been traditionally on the team that they should have DVDs for libraries and all that too. But that, you know the contrary folks always make a good point, which is a lot of gaming systems now have Blu-ray and yeah. 4K already built That's in. That's true. So, yeah, I, I, I worry true. about people getting left behind. But you know, it's also like I mean, some of that early DVD technology is you know some of my discs are rotting mm-hmm. now. So it's like Abs- you know. no, and that's a good point. And yeah, if it and last. if it's yeah. if it is a you know in terms of of um, Long term, if they're having to make, invest, you know, they see where 4K is going and they're having to invest into that technology um, and it has maybe a brighter future. And, and then we have this issue where we see disc rot in, in these old DVDs mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, they got to make, you know, they've got to make a sacrifice on that. So I do hope that and, and I'm sure that they have um, people that work directly with you know, educators and stuff. I'm sure they have some kind of outreach for that. So hopefully there's some kind of, you know, a smooth transition for, yeah. for that. I'm sure they have close relationships and that's probably oh, yeah. a lot of their sales. So, all right, well, that's May 2022. And um, before we get go further, I want to just shout out friend of the show. It's been a long time um, since he's been on the show. In fact, I think he hasn't been on since the Jill experience, but um 
But John from Lobinger, or John Lobinger, uh, he won the chase, which is uh, a kind of like a sister, a daughter um, show from Jeopardy, and it has kind of the uh, the Hall of Fame Jeopardy people are behind it. And I, I'm not going to explain the rules because it's complicated, but I'll just say that it's hard to win, and um, you really have to be sharp. And um, Lobinger won. I was very proud of him. And he, he right. actually mentioned he mentioned that he has uh, a lot of movies. And then the host asked how many, and he was like, he, he kind of had, had that play it cool look. It's like mm-hmm. over a thousand. And then um, and then they cut to Ken Jennings was on his his show, and um, Ken Jennings makes a look that was like, hmm, wow. <laughs> so, so there you go. He he dropped a thousand plus Blu-rays. I mean, that was Fantastic. when they asked him what he, what he's going to spend his movie on, and then uh, his movie, his money on, and then he said, "Oh, so I need a house." So your shelving situations are um, <laughs> are, are are not yours alone. He he wants yeah. a house to put his Blu-rays. Well, way to go, John. We're proud of you. Yeah, it was fun. So okay, well awesome. we we got good stuff coming out. Uh, so. Criterions in this current cycle have been uh, Dick Johnson is Dead, The Piano, Miller's Crossing. We'll have something to say about Miller's Crossing soon. And uh, Love Affair. Oh, and also Boat People. I forgot about that one. Um, so, J- Drew, any thoughts on this this grouping? I, I, come I out picked them it? all up. Um, so I, I'd seen Dick Johnson is Dead when it was on Netflix. And I actually assigned it to my documentary class this semester. And... I, I love that movie so much. I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it's kind of like oh, the yeah. antithesis of, yes. of active killing where it's got, this, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. like it's kind yeah. of, this got this kind of dark humor and participatory edge where it's like, Hey, we're going to have this person reenact, you know, his, his death and stuff. And it played so much differently for me the second time, because I, I had forgotten because I got so caught up in the narrative that it previews early on that the funeral is fake and that he's not, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm actually dead it's like in the first 10 minutes um but you get so caught up in it that you totally forget about it and uh yeah it just it's it's so wonderful and lovely and he's such a kind of spark of life um uh my wife yeah he's great his, his chocolate cake when she was here last week and it, it was phenomenal <laughs> and i did not have a heart attack after eating two slices of it uh, but the special <laughs> features on it are fantastic and they have these really great conversations about kind of the ethical dilemmas of asking someone um, with yeah. Alzheimer's to kind of go through mm-hmm. these actions and how they wanted to, you know, really foreground that in the movie and, you know, acknowledge that this was something going on. So I was really happy to see that come out. And I showed some of that stuff to my my class as well. And they, they Very dug cool. it. Um, I hadn't yeah, seen they had the piano w- before. Walk a oh, go tight ahead. balance with that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, but did, did you happen to watch the commentary? I did not watch the commentary yet. I watched the two round tables that they had with the sound recording engineers and yeah, the camera people and producers. How was the commentary? Oh, it was excellent. I mean, that's one thing about Kirsten Johnson making this movie and about her dad is like the personal element is there and the emotions are there within the film. But the commentary, it's um, it was very uh, interesting as well. And and you get you get to hear about they don't go into where he's at now, mm-hmm. but um, but you know you get an idea from it. So recommend it. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. That's great. I'll have to check out the commentary. I was sometimes I feel like the commentaries double up lately on a lot of the the shorter supplements, so I kind of do them last. Um, but yeah, it was yeah. definitely on the list. Um, and I saw you put in piano the piano the other day. Um, did you like that? I I did. I had I'd never. It was one of these movies that I really wanted to watch, and I 
was prioritizing, but it was like conditions kind of had to be perfect where I'm like, I want to see it like on 35 or I want to see it in 4K. <laughs> I didn't want to just watch some like shitty DVD or stream of it. And yeah, it was lovely. Um, really, really yeah, moving. I... And yeah, just like, I, I, of course I knew Anna Paquin was going to be great in it, but like I didn't quite realize how sophisticated her performance at that age was going to be. So yeah, it really floored me. And the 4K transfer was, was beautiful. Yeah, great performances all around, and yeah, the, the transfer was amazing. Uh, this is the the first movie I watched with my new set of glasses on 4K. <laughs> so to me, that was like 8K, um, and it looked amazing. Um, yeah, and to, uh, as we're recording, I think Boat People came out today, and so uh, Love Affair and Boat People just arrived um, here. So I'll be putting Love Affair in maybe tonight. Might watch that tonight. Uh, have I, you I know seen you, it before? Um, I have not. So it's okay. the first time. And uh, Jill, yeah, from your reaction. You had championed this, so it might be yeah. going right in the player. It's great. It's a funky know, movie, man. It's yeah. really weird. I don't want to spoil anything. We'll talk about it when you're done. But yeah, it's really funky. Okay. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and um, so coming soon, we have uh, Adoption, and I forget the name of the director, but it's not the um, the one that's already in the collection. Uh, Le Cirque La Rouge, which is getting some controversy already. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, Flight of the Phoenix. Drew, can you... Talk about Flight of the Phoenix as um, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I've not seen it. I'd have to make some uh, educated guesses about it. But, uh... Well, you're you're a pilot, and then there's a desert. So where, where am I? Where am I flying to? <laughs> you did the toe. Oh, That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> That's a good summary of the movie. <laughs> I, I, I see. I'm in a desert. It looks kind of hot. Got... <laughs> I'm gonna need some uh, SPF 250. <laughs> you, did, you didn't bring any. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring any. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. I've not seen. I highly this recommend one. you check that out, uh, Drew. <laughs> check back after you do. Yeah. Uh, also, the last waltz and Love Jones. I think that's all of the uh, March discs. So yeah. a pretty big disc for March. Uh, so uh, I'm Drew, so Drew? horny for that last waltz. I heard they just uh, added some new stuff to it too. Like I think uh, the original mono really? track is on there or something. Yeah, oh I, I had heard that they embellished a bit on the extra features and added a couple new yes. options or something. But yeah, Ooh, I'm looking that up. I am a little um, disappointed yeah, that... in the Circle Rouge transfer. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to believe here. I just saw the review dropped on Blu-ray.com, and it's the same one as the Studio Canal 4K that came out last year, and it looks a little teal. They're saying the same thing about Flight of the Phoenix. Looks a little teal rather than gold. I, I don't know. You know they they keep saying that. Um, now what what I what I thought the Circle Rouge. Have you seen it by chance? Oh yeah, me. Yeah, no, I had, oh, the, I have I had the DVD and I had okay. the I got the out of print blue. Yeah, but again, so it's, it's like I don't know what they both look significantly different from one another, so I don't really know what it's yeah. supposed to look like. Yeah, I've well, I, I, that's the thing. And nobody can remember what it looked like in 1970, whatever. Um, but it 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 does have like a tealish hue anyway. So um, so it seems like the controversy with this one is that there it's less teal, which is kind of like. You know, inconsistent. I, I don't. I haven't read too much into it, um, but I guess there's more color in it. So we'll see. But um, and yeah, Flight of the Phoenix. I did not hear that it was too teal. Um, although that would be surprising, um, having seen yeah. the movie. So yeah, that would be a bit surprising. I, I, we'll see. I'm trying to find where to put the teal. <laughs> no. 
And well, somebody is going to have some really teal eyes. Is what I'm yeah, he's going to be like, my eyes are teal. What? <laughs> I have x-ray vision now. <laughs> <laughs> that if he had X-ray vision, that might have just the movie would have ended. Um, so and and also Love Jones is coming out. I, I don't, can't remember if I meant, mentioned that. So yeah. Now is the last waltz teal? Jesus, what's going on? I I don't see how they can teal up the last waltz. They so. can't teal up that coke, man. I just want to know if the booger is going to be there. Is the coke booger going to be rotoscoped? Man, the, the or not? coke booger was was already extracted. It, it is it, it is was. gone. Yeah, I had I had to explain that to my my documentary students this week because they presented on it and they were like, oh yeah, you know, like the road takes a toll, and they started talking about drugs. I was like, you catch the coke booger thing? Did you read about it? And they were like, what? And I like had to show them the scene, and they're like, oh my god. I was like, yeah, that guy who you're all mad about on for getting up on Seth Rogen, oh, right, uh, right. Joe Rogan shit Spotify. on Spotify. I was like, coke booger. <laughs> <laughs> Coke yeah rage. no his his um, they they took care of that 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 is not that is gone yeah i, I didn't think that i actually ever saw the uh, light of day um are, are you saying yeah. drew that you showed that you found that no scene? no i'm not saying i found that footage i just i wasn't sure if that was rotoscoped later i don't know the the providence of the coke booger if you will yeah i'm pretty sure they rotoscoped that out because i'm yeah. Every version I've ever, or every copy I've ever seen of it, I like get right. I'm like (laughs) pausing it frame by frame, like to try to find it. I mean, it's like the Zapruder, the Zapruder film. Like I'm just like I'm looking, looking for it, you know. And uh, no, I think I think it is it is gone. Yeah, I I think Scorsese just you know did did a favor to to Neil. Yeah, well, but maybe they'll uncover like the original uh film like in some argentinian attic or something and <laughs> It'll we'll be finally the boogie cut, <laughs> <laughs> the boogie cut. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can start a, t- a twitter trend and um and get get that going uh, I so am, um yeah. be, boogie aside boogie aside um great movie and yeah I, I i i've seen it so many times i'm and i like to watch it around thanksgiving if i can but yeah, I can't wait. I'm watching it again. I think they're gonna cosplay as Van Morrison this year for Halloween. I want oh, that. Man. I want that outfit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if I can high kick the way he does though. <laughs> <laughs> you better stretch out your hammy. Yeah, right. You start Jesus, doing that. tear something. Yeah, you might want to look into what Van's been doing lately too. <laughs> yeah, he he yeah he had no fear, man. Mm-hmm. And I told this the last time we talked about this, but the. That it was like he, I, and I cannot remember where I read this, but like, it was like he showed up in that outfit, and then to like for oh, to rehearsals. fuck with Robbie Robertson, yeah, he, Robbie yeah, Robertson and then wanted they, him to like to wear black, I think, or something. And they were like, "Okay, go ahead and change," and he's like, "Uh, this is what I'm wearing." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like what? <laughs> what is he's this trip. outfit? Yeah, it was Car- Caravan he played, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Caravan. Wow, oh, good song. All right. Well, so yeah, uh, last waltz rocks. Um, okay, so, so some news coming up. Um, so uh, Drew, I, I'm curious your take on this. So uh, apparently, uh, Miller's Crossing, uh, there is some selective editing. I guess after the fact or before the fact of the uh, Blu-ray release. Um, looks like they tinkered a little bit with the film, and I, I know they removed one line for sure. Uh, I, I'd watched it. I loved it again, but I didn't notice any differences. But I, I guess I didn't know what I was missing. So, um, so Drew, do, do you want to mention something about this? 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not precious about Miller's Crossing. Let me just say, like, it's, it's always been one of those Cohen movies where I'm like, I kind of feel on the outside about it. And it was interesting watching the Criterion disc because uh, Megan Abbott has a really great conversation with the Coens about the influence of hard-boiled fiction. And she's basically talking yeah. about how um, Hammett, is it Hammett novels are from the outside and Chandler novels are from the inside. Maybe I'm getting them reversed. Uh, but you're talking yeah, about that, point yeah, of view and literature, right. and I was like, oh, that makes this that makes this movie make a lot more sense to me now that I kind of know that that's what they were striving to do. But it still kind of leaves you a little emotionally cold because you don't know what Tom is thinking, right? So um, I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. I come back to it, and yeah, it gets to the scene with Mike Starr where they you know hit each other with the with the chair, and there's a line missing where it's like I think it's Jesus Tom. It's like a slapstick moment. And it's a it's mm-hmm. a funky movie. Coming back to it again, I was like, wow, there's a lot more humor in here than I realized. But I got to that scene and I was like, I feel like something's missing. I remember a big laugh last time I watched this movie, like six, seven years ago. And so I didn't know it well enough to realize it was missing at the time. And then a friend of mine uh, had pointed out, and this was earlier when it was announced, he's like, you know, that movie's two minutes shorter, right? The runtime doesn't match. And that's kind of weird. And he was like, maybe they did a blood simple thing. And then sure enough, I start Googling around and I find the Criterion Forum post that you've got there. And they cut that line out and shortened a couple things. And hmm. I'm really torn on it. On one hand, I get the impulse to do it. I think the Coens probably coming back to it now are like, hey, tonally, it does veer a little too funny and a little too broad. And it feels more like a kind of Sam Raimi movie for a minute. Um because they did, I don't know if you guys have seen Crime Wave, it's got this kind of similar energy where it's like a, you know, dark mobster noir kind of horror movie going on where it's got broad slapstick elements. So it kind of feels that way to me at times, and it doesn't match how somber the rest of the movie is. And so I feel like maybe they were just like, okay, this tightrope walk we have between somber and funny isn't working here, and that line's too big. So I get wanting to change it on one hand, but on the other hand, I'm like not announcing the change, not putting it kind of on the box in the way that the Blood Simple DVD did, not the Criterion one, but it was, you know, it was like, this is a director's cut. This is a revision. This is different. I think is a bit of a failure and I find it disappointing that the Coens wouldn't do what a Francis Ford Coppola or a James Cameron would do. Um, in allowing all the versions to be out there. I mean, that's the version of Miller's Crossing that people knew and loved for, you know, 30 plus years. It's not like the studio took it away from them and dinked with it and, you know, did a Brazil or something like that. It was their, for all I know, it was their cut for years. So, yeah, I kind of wish we had both versions of it. And I wish, you know, if they weren't going to do that, they'd at least be a little more honest and forthright about it because I think there's an obligation not only to the consumer but an obligation to film history, right? We want the version that people saw. We want the version that people knew. Yeah. Right. If you absolutely. want to tinker, that's fine. You know, I, I love having multiple versions of apocalypse. Now I love the new cut of the Godfather, right. but I, I still like the one that was there for posterity purposes. So we knew what people actually saw and engaged with, and we can understand the changes in, in a different context when we actually have access to the original version. Absolutely. And, you know, some people have been kind of like brushing it off like, okay, what? It's one line. But, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, look, they're the filmmakers and they, they, you know, they can tinker as much as they want. 
But um, if this is, I mean, I think a lot of people view uh, a Criterion release as a definitive version. And this is a director approved release, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, yeah, I think it's, you know, I feel like it may be a little strong to say disingenuous, but I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm with you, Drew. I think. Not and I don't. I don't love front. this deferral. I don't love this deferral to what the director wants is the, ultimately the right reading. Exactly. It's, it's it, to me, it's so exactly. like weirdly auteurist where it's like that's not how the film was made. Like Mike Starr might love that moment. He's in that scene. He's a collaborator. Does his, his input not matter? You know, like right. The the, right. the fans who've seen it who love that movie. Like there have been so many people in that forum who are like that was the biggest laugh in the movie. That was one of my favorite mm-hmm. moments in the movie. Like exactly. Make, That's what I'm seeing too. It too. It's not just yeah. the Coens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and, guess... and it and it was and like you said, it wasn't like you know this was uh, the result of uh, you know this isn't a, a Terry Gilliam thing where he was battling out with the studio mm-hmm. and his work gets butchered and what went out wasn't what he wanted. It's not that at all. So you know I. And even I, when I it was cu- that, he gave all three versions, right? He's Exa- like, exactly. Exactly. TV version. You can see it. Here it is. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I, I'm curious as to what their reasoning is for that. Like, what they felt, uh, you know, why that had to be removed. And plus, it seems just kind of like if you're going to make changes, you just do that. Like, it just it, it feel that feels weird to me. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, well, he, they basically one car wide it, but they but at least one car Y mentioned what was different from the original. There's that I don't know if you remember on the the box set sure. he listed the changes. Um, and it's kind of a it's a it's a tough. I mean, there's a history of people revising their films. I mean, Chaplin did it, um, although Chaplin right. kept his old versions. Of course, George Lucas is a different story. Yeah, well, I don't know if but, we'll ever see. You uh, know, if um, if a reporter writes a writes an article, okay, and mm-hmm. publishes it, and then they go back after the fact and edit it to suit you know to suit whatever mm-hmm. reason, that's super unethical. Okay, right. you, usually they, they'll they'll put a an edit. They do you know, usually, mention, but yeah. not always, and so. True. I mean, that is, you know, or if books come out and have revised editions, they explain what, you know, typically Mm -hmm. what has been, you know, we've added new information because new information has has become available to us. And this is this is why. So, you know, to me, I think it's it is a bit of a ethical thing in that, you know, make the other version available. This is like and at the very least be up front and say we've we've made these changes and you know maybe you don't have to give us the reason why but you've we, you've made these changes and this is what you're getting with this you know well, as it turns out i have another copy of on blu-ray so yeah. I, I might watch it and because i don't remember the line and but i i do kind of see because i i just watched it what was it last week and it really is a funny movie and i forgot forgot how funny it was but the comedy really comes out of the hard-boiled um aspect like it's almost too hard-boiled that you you just can't help but laugh like like the scenes with um uh you might this might track with you drew with um uh, tashiro and uh gabriel byrne um you know they're it's just the dialogue is funny but it's but they're playing it straight so um so, so maybe that's it but um but yeah, it's it's tough. You, you got to respect the director's vision. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice for them to say, "Oh, by the way, the movie's a little different." Uh, uh, but it's and their right know, too. And maybe 
maybe they were told, you know, maybe they had some, you know, maybe something, maybe they did that and they didn't want to do it. You know, maybe that's the case. And so this is really what they wanted out there. Maybe, that's maybe possible. that is. And I mean, so, if you think but about if, it, they right. were just coming off raised in Arizona. Sure. Um, so, so they probably, and this was, you know, uh, I think it was a, a high bu- higher budget film than they expected. Sure. So, so maybe so they, there yeah, was maybe. some interference and they, they, they had to do some things or maybe, you know, and so, but just, you know, explain that. That's, yeah. that's all as, that as I want. John says at the beginning, ethics, don't give me the high <laughs> hat. Give me, give it to me straight. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, there's a little double edge there, but uh, yeah, um, I, I'm not going to accuse the Coens of being unethical, but but yeah. No, 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 I, I, I wouldn't accuse I'm the not. Coens of that. I, I, but I think if you're oh, Criterion <laughs> and you're trying to make a version that's to live on and be a resource in a library or a university, you, sure, you know, yeah, you push for that. Yeah, and, and I, I get. That yeah, they I want to. They have to, you know, appease the Coens because they want the Coens to sit down for 40 minutes with. Megan Abbott, you know, sure. and put that on the right, list. which was a great so, supplement. As, yeah, as I want to be clear that I am I am not calling, you know, saying that they're unethical, but I do think there is an obligation to be a little more transparent about that mm-hmm. because because this may be, you know, in the grand scheme of things, relatively minor, okay, but you do get into a very slippery slope of you know, well, what is minor and then what do you get into major changes and you know i worry about you know we've seen really terrible uh examples of tinkering um and and then pulling back where you can't get access to things and so that's that's mainly my thing is that you know at what point do you say well this is enough of a significant change that we need to we need to be upfront about this so that's that's kind of my concern and i would probably put that more on criterion um but again like what drew said is they you know i'm sure they had to walk a fine line on that so mm-hmm. it's just not it's not i what i would want let's just put yeah. it that way i, I so. was kind of thinking about criterion i i'm willing to bet that with the one car why that it was criterion that had that that insisted on having the sure. explanation of the differences because they didn't want 10 discs to come out i, I don't know if it's 10 discs but and then people be like okay this is not the movie that I saw, or where's this scene? Right, um, for, exactly. For every single movie, um, yeah. So yeah, maybe they they could have. Um, maybe that, I, I think some people have written in the Criterion. I think I've seen some responses about it, um, just really acknowledging that they did make some changes. So, but yeah, the, the why we might never know. Um, right. And and it is two minutes, I guess. So I'll go watch my other Blu-ray and and see how much different the film plays. Um, so okay, well let me move on to um, something um, not quite as filthy. Uh, We've been talking about pink flamingos for a while. <laughs> um, and it, it seems like this has been teased out because, you yeah. know, John Waters is talking about it. No, no, he's not. And now an article uh, in Time, actually, <laughs> Time magazine, uh, confirmed that um, that pink flamingos is coming in specifically in June. So, um, I, yeah, so next next annou- announcement series, we should see this. Yeah. Or at least see the announcement. Um. I still have not heard, seen Pink Flamingos. I've, I'm oh, waiting for the, the the best copy so I can see all the all of it in its glory. Um, Got to see that so, dog shit in high def. Yes. <laughs> well, Is that I saw the crackers? Like I watched all the all the water movies back to back to back this past summer, so I, they kind of bleed together. Is that the one mm-hmm. with the dude with the singing butthole? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I couldn't remember. <laughs> okay, do the singing butthole. You're, you're so, in. You're in for a, a treat. Yeah, yeah, a fresh. I've seen a lot of other treat. waters. It is just. Uh, I mean, you stand convicted of assholeism. Like, is <laughs> such a great line. Um, it's it is. It is an absolute joy to watch. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what the supplements are, just because <laughs> I love. I could watch John Waters talk about the phone book. Um, I mean, he's just so captivating, and he's been, he's been. I think he's got one coming up soon. So yeah, I, I'm, yeah, he I'm, does. I can't wait for it. It's um, the year of John Waters, which I mean, God, it's the year of John Waters every year, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it but should be. This is so good. I mean, I definitely think. You've seen Female Trouble, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's Drew, you've seen Female Trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I okay. did I did that. I'm trying Molly to decide flamingos, like I'm trying to decide which week. one's more shocking. I've done the scratch and sniff. <laughs> I think Pink maybe flamingos is the... I think maybe flamingos is more yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you've seen I I haven't seen Pink Flamingos, so I dismiss this, but I feels like you know female trouble is in that direction and you know if you can handle that you can probably handle pink flamingos yeah. but um it's not yeah. gonna play in a church anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it'll be fun I, I, I we've had a feeling but um since this looks pretty concrete so uh, uh we'll see I, it might not be june sometimes that they they put a date on it but you know something happens so we'll see yeah um all right, well, so next, I haven't seen it yet, but Drive My Car was uh, surprisingly Oscar-nominated, and um, that's fantastic because Janice has um, partnered with another company for uh, with the rights, and, and I will expect it on the Criterion Channel at some point, and probably on, on disc at some point as well. But what's interesting, it's, it's going to get um, its first release, streaming release on uh, HBO Max. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm guessing money. You know, why, why not? Let's get some yeah. money. Um, and have, I can't wait to, I haven't seen it and I cannot wait. Um, I've heard that it's like the fastest three hour movie ever. Like it's just, it goes I've by and is so yeah. good. So I'm really looking forward to watching it. Have you seen it, Drew? I saw it over the break. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's really good. And I'm, I'm, nice. I'm a little curious as to why they put, I, I get the idea that they want money, but I was also like, man, that would be a huge subscription driver for Criterion Channel that I was kind of like. That's kind of strange that you just sold it off to HBO Max. You built the hype so well and so strategically, and you got all the Oscar nominations. Why not just keep it rolling? What you're doing is working, but I get, you know. Yeah. I think it will still help pull in subscribers, but I, I have a feeling that Criterion Channel is pretty much firing on all cylinders right now. I, I don't think that any title would move the needle too much right now, although if, if there was one, it would be this. And I think they still have some existing relationship with HBO Max. So yeah. maybe they're getting some, because I know that there's still quite a few Criterion titles that mm -hmm. are on, available on HBO Max. And I know that there were still, I mean, they may even still have some agreements from the Filmstruck days. So maybe they're getting, maybe there's some, uh, beneficial relationship there that we're not aware of, and maybe they'll, they'll get a HBO title or, or you know, they, they, they never know. Some decent films, yeah. Uh, I just think about twenty years ago, <laughs> saying maybe they'll get an HBO title. It didn't used to work that way. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Okay, well, there's just a couple news items remaining. Um, this Twitter account, I think they have a website called GeekGab. Oh, good um, Lord. Who, yeah, I, I hear they don't have the best reputation. I, I can't really speak from, I, I don't follow them or anything. I've just seen some fake covers come out of there. Uh, but apparently they've been right on a couple things. Um, but what they do is they, they, they say a disc has come in a Criterion, and then they make a fake cover of that disc. And usually mm-hmm. it looks looks like ass, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they did that with uh, Paul <laughs> Drew's mock-ups with his dog are better than that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so Paul Schrader's first reform, they said, is coming to Criterion. Um, I think they also leaked Amadeus, which seems pretty likely, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, they also were the ones that announced the 4K part of Criterion, although you know I think a lot of us already knew that at the time. So Right. I think, Jilly, we, we knew that by then, right? I yeah, I'm it. pretty sure. Yeah. So we'll see. First Reformed. I, li- I like First Reformed, um, and Paul Schrader is certainly a character. That's uh, <laughs> He is. I, I follow him on Facebook, which mm. is like, oof, what a thing. Yeah. But he just posted a recent picture of him, and he had, like, you know, an eye patch, and he was had an oxygen uh, cannula. Oh. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there with Paul. Hope he's okay. Hope he's okay, um, yeah. yeah. You I, know, I... I, I his Facebook gets shared a lot because yeah, sometimes it's... he has some, I, I, I don't want to say, I, I, some old man takes. Basically. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah, it's, it's not great, but I can't help. I respect him as a filmmaker. I mean, sure. he's, he's a legend. And I, yeah. and, I wa- and I follow that face, his Facebook page because um, it's like a, it's like a train wreck. And it's <laughs> like, I want to see, you know, how many times he's going to stick his, his, you know, foot in it, you know, it's, like, it's like cinephile Larry David. Like I'll watch it. And yes. Like, you know, 85% of the time, like you're profoundly wrong, but then there's like 15% of the time where you're right, but you just get treated this way because you just have the history mm-hmm. of being wrong. And, you know, like. and then there's a Facebook account that, or a Facebook, a Twitter account that just posts his Facebook posts. Cause they're mm. all public, you know? Right. So that's a fun account to follow by the way, because <laughs> they bet. put everything out. So also never comment on Paul Schrader's posts because they may show up on that Twitter account. So, you know, really? yeah. So, you know, just be uh, aware on that. I'd be afraid of anything I'd say on his, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, but anyway, first reformed is a good movie. So, um, you know, I, I would be happy if it came to criterion. Yeah, uh, it'd be good. And then, um, finally, uh, inland empire is, has been uh, on Janice's website for a while. Mm-hmm. David Lynch, uh, the weird movie from him. <laughs> Imagine Wait, that. The <laughs> weird movie. One of the, uh, maybe the weirdest, yeah. actually. I, I think I, it, you're right. It probably is the weirdest. But it's opening uh, theatrically in a um, about five, six weeks, uh, a- a- April 8th. So um, so I, usually the, the, the Blu-ray uh, and, frankly, with Inland Empire, it could be DVD. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Maybe even VHS. But I, I think that... that Usually it's like a, a few months after that, so I'm I'm guessing that this will probably be a, a late 2022 title. So we can we can simmer down now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna every, be a every... weird one because I don't know what they're gonna be able to do with it. Considering I think it was shot on mini DV, where it's kind of yeah. like the celebration where I'm like, there's only so much you're gonna be able to milk out of that, you know? Well, the same with Bamboozled. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I you forgot know, Bamboozled well, Bamboozled has, but it has those the minstrel um, moments. The min- yeah, oh, the, 16, the yeah. stage moments. Those are, but everything else was shot on. What you know? I can't think of what it was. Might have been but Super it, Eight. I don't know, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember watching. 
you know, seeing the beginning, but then the, the minstrel shows just look beautiful. And, oh, absolutely, and yeah. And it says something that that's how he, where he prioritized the uh, the, the good camera. Right, um, right. And um, yeah, that's it. And, and finally, uh, there was a, a closet video from Garrett Bradley. Um, hey, Jill, do you remember that movie Time? <laughs> or the other movie Time? <laughs> Patrons will get that joke. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah, <laughs> Uh, fun, fun uh, video. I was glad she she grabbed um, some of the great uh, uh, discs from last year, the Van Peebles, uh, the Marlon Riggs, and others. Um, Drew, did you get a chance to watch it? I did not watch the uh, closet video yet. Oh, that's okay. Well, one thing I noticed is she grabbed DVDs, and that's always weird when a filmmaker grabs DVDs. Um, but it, it was it was pretty good. So okay, well I'll move on then. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much I can say. Oh, I will say I was. I, I thought it was cool that she um she pulled out um, Brisson's uh, Man Escaped, and it seemed like she truly loved that film, which um yeah. which I can kind of see with time, but you know time is its own thing. So anyway, let's get to Beyond Criterion, and this is just our, our news. Well, it's not really new anymore, Jill, but our our segment where we talk about stuff from other labels. It could be anything. So uh, Drew, do you have any anything Beyond Criterion? Yeah. So I took advantage perhaps poorly of the arrow sale, uh, the box set sale back in January and bought more big box sets for my shelf. Um, so I got the revenge <laughs> trails, Italian spaghetti Western set and the years of lead, like Italian crime movies. And, uh, I was working through them and initially the years of lead one was a little hit and miss. The first one's kind of a, it's almost like if you took office space and fight club and, kind of amped up the violence and essentially it's about these white collar dudes who i think it's called savage three is the first one who work in this dead-end office job and one of the things that they have to do is like study mice and essentially there's this metaphor that if you put mice together and don't have a leader they're just going to kill one another um so there's this kind of metaphor going on that if these if the guys get bored enough and there's no real leader that they're just gonna like rape and murder and so it like gradually escalates from like shenanigans like stealing a car after a soccer game to like murdering prostitutes so that was the first one and i was like oh that's kind of an interesting idea pulpy you know kind of okay the second one was a dud but then i got to like two really good ones in the middle um and i'm gonna google the titles of them because they they're just like really great car chase movies with really well executed um physical stunts um and one of them like involves this guy basically like drifting his car into somebody and smacking him with it during a fight scene like i was like holy shit like i was like you did this and like and then one other one like he jumps a car onto a train like i was like this this is a this is a great uh this is a great set here um, so yeah, the, the dot of the bunch, God damn it. I'm trying to find it was, uh, unfortunately it's sold out. So it's not on Arrow's website anymore. Savage three was the Joe D'Alessandro one, which was okay. That's kind of the, the fight club one like rabid dogs was literally like the Savage three with more sex and violence, but not nearly as much going on thematically. So you can kind of skip that one. Uh, Colt 38 special squad is basically about vigilante cops. And I think that's the one where the guy jumps the, the uh, car onto the train. So that's a good one. <laughs> Highway racer was the one where the dude drifted it into a dude and like shot him through an in intersection. And then it ends with this really weird one called only the Italians come up with these kinds of titles. No, the case is happily resolved. And it's basically about this guy who's fishing and he witnesses a, 
dude murder a prostitute in a field and he tries to initially report the crime but it's like a minor inconvenience like he he has to like go to a police station and he gets stuck in traffic and he's like oh fuck it so he just goes home (laughs) and as fate would have it the guy the murderer uh is a professor and he decides to report the guy who saw the crime as being the murderer and the guy gets totally cosmically hosed because the first thing he didn't do was go to the police station so it becomes kind of like a if you saw that Robin Williams Al Pacino movie Insomnia it's kind of like that where it's yeah. the yeah mm-hmm. but it was it was great and it's really bleak and yeah so if you're looking for three or four decent crime movies pick that setup it's worth it <laughs> yeah well, if it's out of print I guess eBay right? I, it's, um, it's that it's that Arrow thing where the limited edition ones out of print with the booklet oh, okay. and the they, poster but yeah they'll come back with the the essays yeah all right what you got Jill. All right, so I've got three uh, recent. Um, well, no, they're they're new, newish from Warner Archive. Um, the first is the Song of the Thin Man, which is the last of of the Thin Man films. Um, so they so all of those that you know that old Thin Man box set, which I actually had, and I've just passed it on to my aunt because she didn't have them. Um, so this marks the end of the set. And um, the only thing that's missing from that, you know, that DVD box set is there was like a, like a, a disc of special features or something. But I think they might have put some of them um, onto these, uh, these uh, Blu-ray releases. So Song of the Thin Man, you know, look, there's diminishing returns Mm -hmm. (laughs) as you get further into the series. But, uh, you know, they still have their charm. And this one has a really young Dean Stockwell who just died a few oh. months ago. Yeah. Oh. And, and he's so precious and sweet. And, and look, I could watch William Powell and Myrna Loy in liter- literally every, anything. And I Same. have watched them together in everything they've ever done. And so, um, so, that, that, so we've got all the Thin Man on Blu-ray. And then the next one... I'm just going to say is a truly awful movie. Um, but I have it's just like such a guilty pleasure for me. And it's the three Musketeers uh, Technicolor with Lana. Just listen to this cast. Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, June Allison, Van Heflin, Angela Lansbury, Frank Morgan, Vincent Price, Keenan Wynn, John Sutton, and Gig Young. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's a piece of shit movie. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Is but this it the 40s is, one? This is the 40s one. And Gene Kelly is D'Artagnan. He is way <laughs> too old. Yeah. And it's not a musical, okay? But even in these, like, fight sequences and stuff, he's doing his Gene Kelly thing, you know? <laughs> and his ass is great. He's wearing, you know, he's got a great ass. And um, it's just beautifully done, um, you know, it's just a beautiful movie to look at nice. and the costumes are fantastic. And I mean, it's just, I, I have such a guilty pleasure and it looks fantastic on Blu-ray. So there's that. And then we've got, um, gold diggers from 1933. Um, and you know, this is a masterpiece. Busby Berkeley, man. He's yes, the best. it's a directed by it's Mervyn Leroy directed it, and then Busby Berkeley um, choreographed all of the dance sequences. This, you know, opens up, of course, with the "We're in the Money" mm-hmm. and with uh, with Ginger Rogers, and she does the weird, you know, pig Latin thing. 
And um, and then closes out with that, you know, Joan Blondell just pouring her heart out with the My Forgotten Man number. So, um, and then, you know, of course, Petting in the Park with Dick Powell, and you've got weird baby Billy Barty in that. So, um, uh, this is just a great, great movie. Did and you then, say Billy Baby? <laughs> yeah, uh, Baby Billy. Baby, Uncle baby, baby Billy. Billy. Um, <laughs> Billy Barty. So, um, and then... Um, I pre-ordered this and I think um uh, I think both of you also did on this and it's the new Flickr Alley um uh release with in conjunction with Phil Nora Foundation and UCLA um and it's the repeat repeat performance um yeah. and I just got it I have not watched it yet um and I am really 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 looking forward to this um because it has, um, there's a documentary um, by the great Stephen C. Smith, and um, my friend um, Alan Rohde actually just had a really lovely phone call with Alan today, and um, he's uh, on this uh, thing, and so our friends uh, Farron Nime uh, does a profile of uh, Joan Leslie, so I'm really, really looking forward to uh, diving into this release. It looks, it looks great. Have you seen it at all before or no? I haven't. No. Oh, this you're is, in for a treat. Yeah. And I and I went ahead and snagged Too Late for Tears because I've been meaning to do it. And I have seen it. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to looking at that one as well. It's got some uh good features on there with Eddie Muller and Kim Morgan and so um yeah, no, I haven't seen it. I'm super stoked. So many discs, so many, so little time. I, I have know, that as right? well, uh, and I haven't watched. But yeah, repeat performance uh, arrived last week with the Duvivier set. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. And Gold Diggers, I, I actually just got that one this week. It arrived, and um, it and looks I, so good. Oh I haven't watched God. it yet, but I, I, I know there's been a couple Gold Diggers. I think there's one uh, 1935. Am I, am I yes, correct? you're correct. Um, which is good. I think this is the best one, if I remember though. Absolutely no. It it to- and again, it's like the Thin Man. There's several gold right. diggers, and I mean, definitely diminishing returns. But you know, 1933, you had three really great uh, Mervyn Leroy and Busby Berkeley. You know, you've got 42nd Street, you've got mm-hmm. Gold Diggers, and then you have Footlight Parade, which just came out on. Uh, on Blu-ray last year, I think. So all three are available with Warner Archive, and they they all look fantastic. Awesome. Oh, yeah, that's good stuff coming out. Well, mine is something I, I watched lately, and um, and I'll also mention something, something that was announced. But um, uh, my mom told me to put away my toys when I'm finished with them, and uh, I have so many box sets that I'm like <laughs> in the process, and they're just kind of like in my movie room just like laying there. And my mom would not be happy. So, and I just opened the noir set. So, the noir three, uh, mm-hmm. Columbia noir. Um, but the uh, the Zhang, uh, I'm sorry, Zhang Mo um, and Gong Li. I wouldn't know how to pronounce his name if it were not not for the the brilliant Tony Rains. Tony Rains. Um, so I, there were about uh, somewhere between eight and ten movies on the on the on the disc. Uh, it was Mo and um, Gong Li collaborations. Mm-hmm. So that ranged from like his his breakthrough and her breakthrough movies until and they were they were an item for a, a number of years, and then they uh, weren't, and stopped working together. And then they made a couple movies uh, maybe a decade or more after that. And um, and these aren't the kind of movies you binge watch. You know they're they're character driven pieces, and I'd seen probably about half of them. But they they were great, uh, pretty much universally. Um, I think the only one that is 
a little lesser than is um, uh, Curse of the uh, the uh, Golden. Um, that was I think it was two thousand six, and it was basically uh, it was a, basically a Shakespeare play, but I'm not going to mention which one because that would be a, a, a spoiler. Oh, it was Curse of the Golden Flower, uh, but it was um, it was very big, like um, like almost like Ron as far as like stage production, you know, and, and the way the use of color. Um, and that was very impressive, but um, probably the weakest of the, the groupings. Um, and then th there was another one from 2014 called Coming Home with, a, uh, of course, Gong Li has aged since then, and she play plays the mother, and she's really good in that. But the, uh, the creme de la creme is like Raise Red Lantern, um, Red Sorghum, the, uh, To Live, really good stuff. And the awesome part was Tony Raines is on each one of these discs, and he, he, he just sits in front of a, a, a microphone and talks about the history, and he, um, he knows more, or he, he's forgotten more than I'll ever learn about Chinese film and history, even Asian film in general. And um, they, they got shorter as the set went along. I think the first one was like an hour of him talking. I think the last one was like 15 minutes, but, um, but they were all great, um, and I... Yeah, I had a lot of Tony Rains in my life for the last few weeks. <laughs> well, awesome. <laughs> it's great. And also Imprint announced um, some good one. Uh, well, I, I don't know how good it's going to be, but there's a post-noir set. I forgot what they called it. That looks interesting, and uh, mm -hmm. but the selections don't always – not all of them feel like post-noir is what I'll say. But um, looking forward to that. I believe that was May as well, so we'll, we'll see how that looks. Cool. And that's it. Um so short takes, Criterion Films, um, oh, wow, <laughs> we're running long, surprise. So, <laughs> Drew, what do you got? I've been watching a lot of the, I was working my way through the French New Wave short films on there, and while I had seen a lot of Varda's longer films and documentaries, I hadn't seen a lot of her shorts, so uh, I spent most of January and February kind of binging those, and yeah, like, I, I actually really liked Women's Reply, if I had to pick one. I, of course, I like Uncle Yanko and Black Panthers, but I thought Women's Reply uh, was really interesting for kind of problematizing the, the male gaze and stuff like that. So I think I'm going to start bringing that into my classroom more often. It's like a little eight-minute piece, and it's really fantastic about women talking about body image and representation. Yeah, they're great. Uh, did you see the one with the cat in the city? <laughs> I don't know if I saw. I don't. That one may not have been in the French New Wave shorts, but maybe in her larger collection of shorts. So I, I think I have to make that transition now and start going over to the the stuff that didn't overlap. Yeah, she's amazing. What was it? The year before last, where that box set came out, and I, I just spent you know a few months just going through it, and uh, it had all the shorts and all the features, and um, it never did. She never made a bad film of any type. She was no. a legend. What you got, Jill? All right. So look, I know I've mentioned this one before for short takes, but it's Nightmare Alley, the um, the original. And the reason why I'm mentioning it again is I finally got Thomas to watch it with me. Um, usually when I watch it, um, he'll kind of doze off. And, <laughs> um, and it's not that it's not a good movie. He just, you know, dozes. So, um, this time we actually, uh, told Ellie that we were going to watch a movie during the day. And, uh, you know, I, 
it's, you know, I don't think she would get some of the freaky of it. And it, it'd be fine if she saw it because she probably, it, most of it would go over her head. But it's definitely not necessarily a, a movie you want to watch with your 11 year old, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the reason why I wanted to watch it is because, or I wanted him to watch it is because the new Nightmare Alley I have not seen yet, but it is available to stream. And so I wanted to watch it. And we missed the um, black and white version that was here for a couple days. And so um, I really wanted to uh, have him watch this before we watch the new one. And which Ellie definitely cannot see. And so um, <laughs> no. but we, she actually hung out in her room and we sat and watched it and he loved it. Awesome. So, yay. So hopefully in the next uh, week or so we can sit down and watch the Del Toro. I'll just say the Del Toro looks amazing. Um, you can't really compare it to the the noir yeah. the original. It's not fair. I mean, it's it's a different, but yeah. And he could do things that they can't do, couldn't right. do back then. Um, right. But so it's a little darker. But uh, yeah, I I'm curious. Uh, we'll we'll re- revisit this one. Yeah, you, I I, I definitely it. yeah. I've heard. You know, I have some friends that did not like it. Mm-hmm, um, same. but um. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go in with an open mind and but I I have plenty of friends who absolutely loved it. So, I'm I am uh, really excited to to give it a go. Some really good performances and one in particular that you'll it'll uh, stand out. Well, I will just say Cable Blanchett was amazing in that film. Yeah. Um so okay, well, mine is um certainly a different vibe than most of what we talked about today. It's uh Robert Brisson's uh Mouchette, which was my second time watching it. And actually, I think the disc came out, I want to say, towards the end of the year, not last year, but the year before, and it's been sitting on my shelf because I'd seen it, um, so I, I had not, you know, wasn't planning on a rewatch anytime soon, but it just kind of, I, I love the movie and I want to, wanted to watch it, and I did, and lo and behold, I was just talking about Tony Raines and how amazing he is, and, and he's basically like the, the go-to guy for Asian cinema. And he, lo and behold, he did a commentary on Mouchette, so I uh, was able to watch his commentary too, and it was extremely ins- insightful. So I'm, I'm glad that the, you know, they took him out of that uh, that typecast of uh, <laughs> contributing. Yeah, but yeah, really great film. I, it's probably one of the more accessible um, uh, Bressons. Uh, maybe that and um, and what was the one I mentioned earlier from the closet video? Man um, escaped. Man escaped. Maybe that too, because there's a little more action in that, although. A lot of people would probably laugh if I called that action. But yeah, great film. So that that's it. Uh, we just ha- have our piece of flair. So this is just something not Criterion that uh, we've been digging. And um, what you got, Drew? So my wife was here last week, and we were digging through Archive 81. Um, it's a Netflix limited series or maybe ongoing series. Maybe they haven't decided yet. Um, that's based on a kind of X-Files-esque Twin Peaks-ish podcast, and essentially the conceit, and it has a Criterion connection in just a second, uh, involves a uh, archivist who is hired by a shady millionaire to restore these tapes that a PhD student was making in the 90s about a haunted apartment building with a cult-like past, and the woman has disappeared, kind of Candyman-ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has to kind of get to the bottom of the mystery and figure out what's going on. Um, Like some of the different things we've talked a bit about, it's a little padded. Like it's maybe eight episodes where six would have done. 
uh, well, mm-hmm. but uh, it's got some really creepy imagery. It's uh, kind of reminded me of this great Theodore Rozak book called Flicker. I don't know if either of you have read it. It's about a film historian mm-hmm. from UCLA who uncovers a kind of Edgar G. Almer type figure, a German expressionist director who came to Hollywood and was making B movies that were like mm-hmm. hypnotizing people to do yeah. horrible things. Yeah. Um, so it's got kind of, you know, some John Carpenter, cigarette burns, Angel of Darkness stuff going on. <laughs> uh, but the lead archivist, his entire apartment seems to be furnished from uh, the Criterion Closet. He's got like a Hauzu poster and a Diabolique poster. And I think at one point he's wearing a Criterion shirt. So, um, yeah, nice. it's it's fun. Um, yeah. Definitely I watched a little of it. And then Ozark dropped, so I had to just pivot over to Ozark. Uh, but yeah, what I what I watched look, I, I I love that they're making a narrative series about you know where the characters are film arch- are, um what do you call it um, film restoration people. We've talked to many. Um, I forget the occupation name. So Jill, what do you have? All right, we are almost done with season two of the Redneck Succession, Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> And um, I love Danny McBride so much. Pretty much anything he does, I'm all over it. And so we've uh, got eight episodes in to the season. We've got one more. This show is, I mean, I know a lot of people that just cannot get into it, but it's mm-hmm. like, man, this is this is so Southern. And it has that feeling of just like a bunch of friends just fucking around and kind of making it up as they go you cannot watch this show and expect you know uh, solid plot um and i'm trying to think of it's it's not it's like a super well-crafted show it the storylines are bonkers but it's just it's all about the dialogue and just mm-hmm. these little one-off lines that these character and the, and the characterizations are so good. And, you know, in last season and this season, we had these, the interlude interlude one interlude two, right. these flashback episodes, which are so, 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 so good. And the kids that are playing the young siblings are fantastic. And, um, you know, the um, Edie Patterson, oh my God, she plays mm-hmm. Judy Gemstone. She is so hysterical. Walton Goggins as Uncle Baby Billy. And of course, <laughs> you have McBride as Jesse Gemstone and, and John Goodman. I mean, this, I just absolutely love this show. It is so <laughs> insane, <laughs> so hilarious. Um, I mean, Uncle Baby Billy, he's got a cure for COVIDs. <laughs> emphasis on the plural he's he's got his uncle baby billy uh uh, pure coconut silky deliciousness and you know just you drink that the first jug is 69 (laughs) dollars no yeah is that right and then every jug after that's less but you know it takes care of your colds flus streps and even covids (laughs) and um God bless. I'd love this show. So good. Praise be too, to he. Yeah. Praise be to he. Yes. And uh, and baby Bobby Billy, whatever it is. Uncle Baby uh, Billy. W- Get uh, it right, Uncle, Aaron. Yeah. And Aunt Tiffany, of course. Can't can't leave her out. She's and, yeah. and her, her teeth are fixed. Um <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, uh, yeah, Aunt Tiffany, 
Um, she's actually married to the brother of a friend of mine. So, really? the actress? Uh, okay. yeah, oh, wow. Valen Hall. She's she's from down down Atlanta. Oh, okay. So, but you know, if you live in Georgia, you live in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It, you just oh, it, the satire on the nose. You just <laughs> know, is, and 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 Drew, yeah. you live part. I mean, it's less. I mean, there's some Texas in this, but like. It's definitely southeast. I mean, it's Georgia and South yeah. Carolina. This is this mm-hmm. is you know, it's the vibe. But um, it, <laughs> I don't know. It's but it's, the, um, the televangelism is kind of universal. So I exactly think it, it, and, and, and it's, it's yeah yeah it's and and it's like you know the Jim Baker kind of feeling mm-hmm. and and the the mega super church you know the highly pr- produced choreographed. Um, that's something I think a lot of people can, can, you know, relate to. They, they've seen that before, but I just, I love six everything. Flags under Jesus down here. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, I mean, and it's the signs at the, oh <laughs> thou shalt not, um, gets, get nauseous or something. Get nauseous at the, on the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <age>. The, <laughs> thou shalt have fun. um yeah so it's just and eric roberts has been i don't want to spoil too much but eric roberts has been on it and and he's been really fun and you know he's having a blast with that role so um yeah love it fun stuff eli eli jim's home if people have not watched this yet, I would recommend uh, going in this order. I, I would watch The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which actually turned out to be a little better than I expected, um, but pretty good. And then watch, I don't know, maybe maybe an episode of uh, of Dukes of Hazard, and then watch um, uh, the whole two and, a, two and almost um, three seasons of, uh, of uh, Gemstones. Now, we're, probably when this episode comes out, the finale for the season finale. three. We'll no have, season two. We're in season two still. Oh, we are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm they've sorry. but they've, uh, they've there there's greenlit. going to be a season three. And Danny McBride has said that he wants mm-hmm. this to to run longer than any of his previous shows, mm-hmm. and he basically has like an entire g- map in like genealogy, nice, uh, written out for like this like where it goes to different family members and everything. So like, I'm hoping that this thing never ends. I don't care how stupid <laughs> it gets. I, you know, I'm here for all of it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause oh. Eastbound and down was, I think three or four seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah and then yeah. vice yeah. principles was, I think was just two. two I think. Yeah. I, think. Yeah. So, I would love some gemstones for my next. Uh, yeah. Like, this needs to go like, this needs to be like the curb. Like if we have to wait like five years in between seasons, I'm fine with that. I just, I need, I need this to never end. And Curb was so good this year too. So anyway. Curb was fantastic. Yeah. So mine has been, um, my short or my piece of flair has been, um, I've been watching Oscar films and and I have a weird relationship with the Oscars. I mean, like I kind of hate them, but I kind of love them too, just because I don't know. It's, there's a lot of navel gazing. There's always some films that I, I feel like, don't really belong. I'm, I'm, of course, that's my opinion. A lot of people obviously feel they do belong, um, but I end up watching. You know, maybe not all of them, but I watch most of them. And I, I think this year I'm definitely going to watch all the Best Picture nominations and, and a lot of the best, uh, you know, the, the films for which um, uh, Best Actor, Best Actress, and so forth were like like Tammy Faye, which I, I probably wouldn't have otherwise watched. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was just watching The Lost Daughter, which I'll, I'll finish tonight, and. Um, 
And I'm actually pretty pleased with this um, this crop of Oscar films. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen Drive My Car yet, but I'm thrilled that it's nominated. And um, and of course, Nightmare Alley. I was glad that got in. And uh, there's there's a lot more. I haven't seen. Um, I really want to see uh, um, Belfast. Um, so bas- and I haven't seen Licorice Peach. This. So basically, I've seen all the ones that are available streaming, which mm-hmm. is actually quite a few right now. Um, I think more than most years, probably due to COVID. So. Yeah, we'll see. And we probably have a couple Criterions um, that are Oscar-nominated as well. Um, well, let me know how many Dutch angles are in Belfast, okay? <laughs> I'll try to count them for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Uh, so, Drew, thanks for um, for joining us again. Uh, where yeah, can uh, people find you? They can find me on Twitter at the Cinema Doctor. <laughs> Cinema Doctor. That's That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure if people caught that. Uh, Jimmy is not always articulate. The voice isn't always there, but I try. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jill? Yeah, so, of course, here on Criterion Now, and you can find me uh, over at the Classic Film Collective on Patreon, and um, and then uh, at at Biscuit Kitten on, uh, on Twitter, and then, of course, you know, you see me hanging around the criterion now facebook group every now and then so yeah you pop in you pop in. i do you, you see me a lot there in the criterion now you see me less on twitter um in fact I, I just noticed i hadn't even posted the last like two episodes so i suck um, <laughs> <laughs> um but that, yeah that's basically it I, I please uh subscribe to or join the patrons to, to get the awesome pee breaks and um and that's <laughs> the, then you get the um uh, also, some other shows uh, have have special episodes on there, um, and also subscribe to the podcast on probably the best way is the Criterion Cast Master Feed, and that's it. So, any parting thoughts before we say goodbye? Thanks again for having me. It's always fun yeah. to talk to you too. <laughs>